You're listening to episode 66 of the Urban Yogi Podcast, featuring Mr. Tyler Harris. Tyler Harris is a self-described lover of sex and life. And he was entirely fixated in horny boy mode for about half a dozen years. He spent a lot of time sleeping with a lot of strangers. Ultimately, he found that it didn't give him what he seemed to be looking for or yearning for, even though he had a really good time looking. He ended up investigating the nature of desire, connection, and contentment through self-connection and contentment through self-reflection slash meditation. He found that path seemed to be scratching the itch that had been failing to scratch by stimulating his genitals. Having both of these avenues on his radar, working online as a webcam model slash cyber whore, uh, was a natural way to generate income. Tyler spent over a thousand hours in one-on-one private shows, and he has had over 1.25 million US dollars spent on his online shows. Camming provides a very unique arena, Tyler says, to get to know people who enjoy the luxury of remaining anonymous while sharing their most intimate desires and fears. He likes people. It seems that we're all in this together and no one gets out alive. He says, let's share what seems to help us and be understanding of those who are having a hard time, even if it's being acted out in ways that aren't very considerate of others. Tyler goes on to say he is an unfinished product, learning every day, finding hangups that he didn't realize he still has, replaying old patterns and judging himself for it, but generally loving the ride. I can second all that for sure uh, with my own personal story. I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Tyler Harris. Budge. Same thing with my YouTube channel. The whole thing got deleted because I was, I uploaded a naked yoga video and I was under the impression that as long as it's educational, you can have nakedness on YouTube. I've seen tons of naked things about like dudes showing how to, you know, pull your cock to make it longer, use, you know, cock lengthening situations and that was all fine so I, I don't know what happened but 11 years of of hard work down the drain I didn't have most of it backed up unfortunately so that was not fun that is <laughs> sad not, man that's it heartbreaking very sad. it was so very good. sad I still kind of feel feel sad about it when I think about it but kind of in a way was a purge because uh, I've started a new one and um you know pros and cons to everything what can you do but uh, yeah, so so Tyler, I I was so inspired by what you were sharing with Brian on his uh, feed the other day. I was like, I just have to have this guy on on my podcast, and I'm so grateful you said yes. Um, just your your work in self esteem as it relates to the body, as it relates to the genitals. Um, I feel like this is like a huge uncharted territory for many people. You know, I think a lot of people in our culture are so disconnected from their bodies in the first place that you know, the genitals are like a, a foreign frontier for many. Um, so can you just tell me a little bit about your story, how you got into camming, and then we'll talk more about the self-love piece. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with the end there. Um, just because cool. what you just said really kind of struck me about people not being in their bodies. Um, that seems, and I'm sure that from your work and seeing people go through this and yourself going through this, um, 
so hard to appreciate how much you're not in your body until you start to, you know, mm-hmm. go in that direction a little bit. Like it's, totally. it's, uh, the, it, it's like if you're in um, a recording studio and you have noise dampening panels, mm-hmm. right? We're not really wired to pick up silent spots, like right. to pick up an absence of information. And that's, I think, what we're dealing with as far as being in our bodies. It's, it's like we've often numbed out. Totally. Um, is, is kind of the way that I relate to it currently. It changes, but currently it sort of, it seems like a numbing out. I'm just going to um, make sure I turn off my oven. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's off. I, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Very responsible. Yes. Um, I actually have things cooling in the oven right now too. Nice. <laughs> <It's> hilarious. <laughs> um, how did I get into camming? I, um, I guess for probably Jesus, four or five years leading up to camming, I was very interested in, um, having sex with strangers. I was pretty mm-hmm. compulsive about it. Um, mm-hmm. I went through that as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, When I think about like, okay, that definitely qualifies as pretty addictive. It's got a lot of qualities, qualities of an addiction. Thank God that that was my addiction, you know, Mm -hmm. and thank God that I got through it unscathed. I mean, um, it, it could be that can go sideways pretty fast. Um, if you're not careful with it, but it's, you know, it's not gambling. It's not a serious drug addiction. It's, Mm -hmm. it's something that led me to learn a lot about myself and learn a lot about other people and learn a lot about sex. Um, although it was kind of a one dimensional view of sex because Mm -hmm. I I was coming at it with the same headspace, um, over and over and over again. So it wasn't like, I have a whole bunch of experience in sex. It's like I have the same experience a bunch of times. How old are you? I'm 29. Okay. So, I mean, this is like I kind of, it's funny to me because if you're measuring, um, measuring experience by uh, the amount of hours spent doing something versus the quality of attention and like the openness of your mind, mm-hmm. it's just, it's not a real representation of it. It's, um, it, or it doesn't mean much, right? It's like, oh, wow, you spent 10,000 hours not paying attention. Good job. Or like in like one particular rut with it. But anyways, mm-hmm. all that aside, I was very into that, very into what made people interested and willing to let themselves go to bed with me. So there's a lot of reasons not to sleep with strangers um, that people have. There's tons of reasons. And I, I noticed that if I was willing to talk to the people who I was attracted to and not creep them out, the only thing that was missing really was that I had them believe that it would be fun to go to bed with me and there wouldn't be negative consequences. Uh, namely, they would feel good about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was careful to not be dishonest with that. I was very... Um, I was very straightforward with my intentions with like, Hey, I would like to have sex with you. <laughs> cool. That sounds like that's fun. Awesome. Are you into that? Like, yes, cool. Let's do it. No, fine. Great. I'll go find someone else. Cause that's really what I'm into. Cool. Um, so that was my headspace and I was living in Vegas with, you know, and because of that, I was in a scene that was very sex centric. Um, hmm. Friends who were porn stars, strippers, escorts, 
um, other people who are in, involved in the industry peripherally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I needed money basically. And mm-hmm. I was looking at them and it, it really struck me that they were pretty grounded, sane, introspective people who weren't drug addicted, single moms, which was sort of my image of the industry. Um, mm-hmm. But basically my image of the industry was like, either you have to be fucked up in, in which case getting involved in it reveals how fucked up you are. So if you don't like to think of yourself as too fucked up, don't get involved because you'll, you know, you're suddenly in a category of people who only do this thing because they're fucked up. Um, or it would make you fucked up because you're going to be around people and having interactions that are unsavory. Um, and and then kind of peripheral for, uh, worries as far as like, well, what's this going to do to my personal sex life if I'm wanking for four or five, six, seven, eight hours a day? Mm. Um, and is there a lot of ejaculation or is it mostly sort of edging or? Um, I mean, it depends on your camming style. So I got on and got off very quickly and then got <laughs> off and got off and got off. And I did this four or five days in a row, was blown away by how much money I was making and couldn't get out of bed by the fifth day. It was right. like so you notice that um, that the more you ejaculate, if you ejaculate excessively, it does deplete your your energy reserves. Yeah. So over the years, I mean, there there are things that um, I noticed helped that, and I'm not. Maybe you. I'm sure that you know a lot more about this than I do, but it it didn't seem. Um, it seemed like more of a complex system than just the amount of ejaculate that came out of my penis equaled the amount of tired I was. Totally. Um, there seemed to be a, a lot about, well, am I masturbating by myself in front of a computer? Am I with another person? Am mm-hmm. I with multiple people? You know, um, how am I sleep? How's my hydration? How's my nutrition? Am I supplementing the things that are, you know, leaving me when I'm ejaculating? You know, it, mm-hmm. So I, I played with that, but ultimately I um, changed my style of camming to um, longer shows, connecting to, with people, really kind of being interested in people and where they were coming from. Hmm. Um, and do and you basic, see them or is it is it just your uh, camera? Al- almost never. Um, okay. So, I mean, occasionally guys just want somebody to see their penis, which I'm sure you, <laughs> this yeah. is your world, right? Totally. More, more explicitly, in fact. Um, so sometimes people would turn on their cam and it would be their penis. And as like a straight guy, I just, they would ask if I wanted to see their dick. And I'd go, if you want to show it to me, I'm happy to, but understand that it's not going to be a thrill for me. Like, it's, I, I am not offended by it. It's totally fine. If, if you have a great cock, I'll probably comment. I wouldn't say that because that <laughs> then leaves the space for. You know. That's actually an exercise I teach my, my students because I teach mostly straight guys. Um, and, it, and it's all about, you know, breaking porn addiction and also falling in love with the body more. Um, so one exercise we do is we get in a circle and then we look at each man and take three deep breaths as we look at each other's dicks. And then we say, bro, you've got a great dick. <laughs> and just sort of normalize that. Yeah. Um, there's many preliterate societies where um, men would greet each other just by squeezing each other's balls and be like, yeah, I see you, bro. Um, I mean, you know, that's those... something that you definitely want uh, to, you know, make sure the person's on the same page <laughs> for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just the thing I do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
Yeah, but it's it's surprising that the the number of straight guys who are into this now and they they see the value the the, the value of it and um, sort of bringing it out of the shadows, as it were. Um, what what of, do you what do you consider a great dick when you say, "Oh, you got a great dick, bro"? What <laughs> what does that mean? I think it's it's a in the context of that meditation, it's just a it's like a, it doesn't mean anything other than just showing appreciation for the other man, uh, sort of like a bonding thing. Um, but in terms of like, uh, what, what does a great dick mean? I, I mean, personally, I think when I love my dick, it's when I can actually feel it. It's when I can feel my cock and balls and it feels juicy. It feels good. It feels like tingling. Um, so a lot of my sort of personal, uh, self-esteem work has been learning how to bring my consciousness into my entire body rather than just up in my head. Cause I was mostly just here for most of my life. And then it's like, Oh, so, uh, one of my teachers said the way you breathe is the way you think, because there's like all these glands. And when you breathe deeply into those glands, like the gonads, or when you breathe into the coccygeal body, which is like a body of cells that kind of acts like a gland between the anus and the, the coccyx. When you breathe into those glands, they release beautiful hormones in the prostate. Uh, and when those hormones go into your bloodstream and reach your brain, they make you feel more grounded, uh, more connected to yourself and others. So um, yeah, a, a big part of my journey has been like cultivating confidence in the sense of just being able to situate my consciousness in my whole body including my cock and balls. And then I'm less compulsive. Then I'm like, I don't, like I used to be addicted to like Tinder and stuff. And now I don't have that addiction anymore. And I, I owe it largely to, I feel more juicy now. It's like, oh, I could go on Tinder and like try to, you know, have random sex. Or I could just like, you know, play with my balls for an hour and do like a, a, an erotic meditation. And usually that gives me more joy now. Um, and then now from that place, I'm attracting experiences uh, with with men and women where it feels like they're also a whole circle and we're coming together to like juice each other. Um, and it's like, you know, I've got more, I feel like I've got more to give now uh, erotically than, than before because I can feel my cock, I can feel my prostate. And um, you can't give what you don't first cultivate for yourself, I believe. That makes great sense. You like mm. the word juicy. I love juicy. I was, <laughs> I was in this tantra group with this girl, and she just was constantly saying everything was juicy, and That's I think uh, I think it rubbed off on me. But I mean, we're very juicy beings, you know. We're we're so glandular. We, we have all these different glands that secrete all these different kinds of juices. So, um, t tell me about um, when you're doing the camming. How do you stay in that juicy place? Cause it sounds like sometimes you'll be online for quite a while. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. Um, uh, I don't, I think is the answer. I think that the, the assumption, right. So when you look at the world of camming, you have, I have no idea how many people attempt camming every day, but the numbers are very high. It looks like a very easy gig. It looks like, Hey, I'm like, average or slightly above average attractiveness people want to fuck me maybe somebody would pay to see me diddle myself right um probably but there's um that juiciness is almost always lacking right there's mm -hmm. you, like and i think that this is a big part of why people will pay um what 
appears to be absurd uh, rates for the people, the models. I don't particularly appreciate that term because it seems like it's not the thing um, <laughs> that the cyber whores <laughs> um, that they like. And I think it's like, okay, so you can, you can get a very high end professional to come to your house and fuck you for the rate that you can do a show with me for. Hmm. And I always thought, okay, well, what's, what's this person actually paying for? Perhaps they're too shy to do that. Um, perhaps they have a partner where they're supposed to be monogamous and this doesn't count. What is it? Um, and I think that what it is in a large part is that the same thing with Tinder, right? When you're on a, you, you're on the Tinder cycle, which I've spent a lot of time in that addiction as well. Um, you have this image, or at least this is my version of it. You have this image of maybe a particular outline of the person's body that's interesting to you or their lips look a certain way or whatever. And it just triggers mm -hmm. something in your brain, which is, yeah, like, yeah, that, right. Mm -hmm. But there's no reality in that. Like when, when you're, when you're on Tinder all the time and the person shows up, there's almost like, I thought this is what I wanted and here they are. And like, I guess I'm going to have sex with them. Cause like, I thought that this is what I wanted and here it is. And like, yeah. they want to fuck me. So, and then totally, I mean, there. talk about numb cock. Like mm -hmm. you're not there. You don't want to be doing the thing. You're not in your body. You're just like acting out some pattern that is super disconnected and confused. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say that I haven't met amazing people on Tinder. I've met incredible mm -hmm. people on Tinder, but just the addictive side of it for those of yeah, us yeah, who the sort of compulsion it like of it the compulsion mm. side. And so being on cam gives you the chance to get a feel for the person. Mm. And so the people who do well on cam, the people who do great on cam are the people who feel juicy and look great mm. and mm. speak English and things. But, but there's when I'm on and I feel like, oh man, I'd fuck me. Like I want to suck that dick. Like I'll like, I'll be in, like, I'm uh, you know, just like I'll be in the mirror talking dirty to myself. Oh, that's a good like, exercise. Oh, I think. Fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? That's how you kind of charge yourself up and get into the zone. I just am in the zone. So I, I nice. think this would be actually interesting to explore with you. Um, I've, I've heard you say that when you're loving your cock is when you feel it. And then you're doing the mirror thing to get in the zone, right? And this seems like a chicken and egg thing to me that I, I don't see a clear, it's like when I'm feeling good, I'll be inclined to do that. But if I'm mm. not feeling good and I'm trying to generate juiciness, mm. it's like, well, I mean, like, yeah, okay, if I'm working, I might do it. But like, if I'm not working, I would much rather open to it, be open to it and be mm -hmm. okay with it not being there too. I mean, like a big totally. part of the, the addictive cycle for me was like wanting it on cue. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, come on, I, I need my, I need my hit. Yeah. Like where, where did this juiciness go? I've got somebody to have sex with and like, I'm not ready to go. Makes me think of like Tony Robbins work with power posing, you know, totally. and, and so when you're not, it's all, of course, it's better when it just naturally comes and you naturally feel it, but you're not always going to feel it the way you want to feel it. So in those moments, it's like, okay, what, what are some tools that you could utilize maybe some Wim Hof breath, you know, get the dopamine going, uh, just changing the posture, um, maybe doing some testicle massage, um, you know, whatever your thing is that, or you I mean, mean like playing hurt. with your nipples. Yeah. Like there could be certain <laughs> things that you could do to improve the chances of getting more into the zone, perhaps. 
Okay, so the and this is this is just my trip right now. This isn't this is like where I'm at. This is not a comment for anybody else. But that what I'm playing with is looking at like, well, what what's this like wanting to be aroused thing? Like, I what is what is with me having an agenda or what what is with me like kind of having a judgment about when I'm sexually into it when I'm not like why what's the layer that's not just sexual energy flowing ebbing and flowing that has ideas about sexual energy and when it should be there and when I want it to be there and how much how much it should be and oh is this enough and could I generate more and all that but that's good that's like another way to bring yourself into the zone is to is to be the witness consciousness do some deep breaths and then not just be happy with wherever you are yeah so so uh i I, you said to bring yourself into the zone Mm -hmm. and that, that zone for me i believe that happiness is our birthright and so for me it's just about you know cultivating good daily habits that just make me feel a little bit more juicy (laughs) yeah. <laughs> get that juiciness that i love it i love it you know because I, 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 I feel like our culture is so repressed that um these these addictions can kind of spring out of that repression whereas if we could just allow ourselves to feel like david data who wrote way of the superior man he says you know really a lot of this work is about turning your whole body into a big genital because mm-hmm. most men just have a very small little balloon their cock and balls where they can store their sexual energy then when it gets too much they have to ejaculate Whereas, you know, with sexual Kung Fu and David Data's work, it's about cultivating your ability to, to hold a, a greater sexual charge and basically to feel erotic. I won't use juicy. Uh, to, to I feel like more, it. You keep, yeah. you keep juicing it up, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, have you read the book um, Power Versus Force by, by David Hawkins? No, but I'll call him Dex Parker. I don't know what name he would yeah, go by. Dex this, Parker. But, yeah, Dex Parker. Yeah, Brian, he's into that too. Um, I've heard he's, he's mentioned that a bunch of times. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll get to that. That's, that's <laughs> I'm so bad with book recommendations. I've got this glitch. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's really juicy. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> it's so, it's so cool because like he, he has a scale of consciousness and then he talks about how like there's lower frequencies that don't really, they can't stand on their own two feet. They don't really support life. Then you can transmute them into higher frequencies. So for example, guilt, and shame is like the lowest frequency and you know infinity divinity oneness non-duality vast awareness is like the highest like christ consciousness or krishna consciousness so i feel like i'll speak for myself on the topic of sexuality i was vibrating in like shame and guilt for a long time and lust and now that i pulled it back a bit you know deleted all those apps and just have given myself the opportunity and also quit drinking because I was a bit of an alcoholic and I was also goes together well. Yeah, it does. The shame, the cocaine, the alcohol, that was kind of my thing. So I stopped doing that and allowing myself to replenish and recharge my glandular system and practice some semen retention and cultivate my ability to create these new ways to, there's nothing wrong with ejaculation, but just have different colors to paint within my sexual experience palette. And now I can choose if I want to ejaculate out my cock head or if I want to pump the energy, breathe the energy up into my kidneys or my brain or whatnot. So now that I'm doing this, I feel like I'm transmuting that lower frequency of lust, like always needing something outside myself to feel good to more of like a a sense of eroticism. And that's what I wanted to bring it back to with what you're saying is like, it's not like we have to force ourselves 
into the perfect uh, sexy state. I just believe it's our birthright to feel a lot better all the time than our culture has traditionally allowed us to feel through the spraying of the glyphosate on the food. There's all these xenoestrogens in our environment that lower our sperm. I mean, it is, it is low tide in the ball sacks of modern men. Like sperm counts have been going down by 1% every year since 1971. I'm sure it's even more now because that study ended in like 94. So I just feel like there's this assault on our sexuality. And also a lot of men are addicted to porn. So they're, they're never fully charged with their own juiciness, with their own sexual juices on a literal sense of the word. So I feel like it's just all these different ways that men and women are being pinched off from that natural state of feeling good. And then from that place, you know, we don't have to be super, super aroused. We can just be present. And I, and that's what I noticed about you with, uh, when I was watching your interview with Brian and, and now as well, you're very present and, and, and you're, you seem very grounded. And so I think that's what people want. They don't necessarily want you to be like super, aroused and horny they just want like a a beautiful man to be present with them and maybe show them your dick you know (laughs) but from that place of grounded yeah 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 so the the juiciness on cam i think that that is like the juiciness comes and goes and you know if i'm if i need to make a bunch of money i'll crank it up but it does uh, deplete me and not even from ejaculation from like trying to manage my sexuality. It's like, that's a full-time job. Like I just, that doesn't really work, but I can do it for a while if I need to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my personal life, I don't want to be doing that at all. You know, I just, and that's been, I totally resonate with the the shame and the guilt and the, um, the just, the I I so wanted sex and I so hated my the way I related to sex and the way I showed up with sex Mm. like it was just like I wasn't there I was in my head I mean is the shortest version of what was going on is I just I wasn't there to have the experience I was thinking about you know the whole thing Mm -hmm. um so how did you bring yourself more down into your body um uh, boy, that's a, that's a question. Um, so there seems to be, um, I mean, to, to riff off the birthright of contentness, happiness, uh, juiciness, um, that seems to be something that people touch from time to time. You know, if you're, and to varying degrees and varying depths and varying frequencies, but um, everybody has moments of peace. And I mean, often it's first thing in the morning before they sort of boot up their thinking about their life. Hmm. There's a moment where it's just quiet and it's not because you're in bed still. It's because you haven't just started generating what you just hold on your RAM all the time. Mm. Um, or it's in the shower, it's a long drive, or it's right after fantastic blowjob or you know, whatever it is, right? Um, it's just been going, oh, that is the most important thing there is. I, I, everything else that looks important 
and has some degree of stress is the way that I relate to it. Some degree of anxiety, some de degree of conflict, some degree of them and I, like uh, me and then them and that sort of conflict, that separation, that, um, that, that society's doing this to me, like a narrative like that is like, I can, I can boot, I can go into that, but like, I can feel myself feeling that conflict when I'm, when I'm going in that direction. And so I went, okay, um, those thoughts aren't necessarily to be ignored, but they're not to be worshiped either. Right. I was, I was really worshiping these anxious narratives. Um, one of the things that hit me was, oh, wow. Like how, how am I really versus how do I tell myself I am? Um, and how I am really is, well, I got to look at my life. Like, what, what am I do? How am I investing my time and my attention? Well, I'm investing most of my attention in judging myself and judging other people. Hmm. Okay, so let's be honest about my starting place now, right? Mm -hmm. I, I like to think of myself as a nice, considerate, you know, thoughtful guy. Um, but when I actually stop and watch myself and get to know that, like, that that mind that's running um it's not necessarily fun getting to know that because you get to find out what an asshole you are like it, it's it's not a good time but um that degree of honesty seems to be a necessary step to being able to just rest mm. to just um to not feel the need that you have to do something. Cause like the feel, the, the sense that there's something to be done at every moment that like, it's not here, it's gonna be over there. Once I get this done, once I have a happy thought, once I feel this way, once I make this much money, once I meet that person from Tinder, whatever it is, it's always over there, mm -hmm. right? Um, then there's something to do cause you have to get there. And as long as, as long as you're, you're actively doing something and you're trying to manage your experience and you're trying to do something about life itself, then you never see life. You, you see this narrative that's overlaid and judging everything constantly. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of this is like, you know, I'll, ha I'll wake up and I'll feel like shit and it's letting myself feel like shit. It's not wallowing in it, but it's like being open to it and going, Oh, this is life in this moment. Like I want, I yes. want to, I'm here for life. I'm not here for that part and that part and that part and that part. I'm, I, you gotta be there for all of it. You don't get to just select the good shit. Um, totally. I, I think the, the idea that you can selectively block experiences, a very, it, it's a, an understandable mistake, very common mistake um, that we get to choose and, by choosing and managing, we're not kind of suppressing the good stuff too. We're kind of dampening the whole ride by, um, by judging. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, it's, it's just a, an orientation to, uh, safety, security, peace, love, um, and being really honest that, 99.9% .9 of the time I'm dealing with my idea of those things and not those things themselves. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, boy, can I worship the idea of love and connection and be fucking out to lunch mm -hmm. and over and over and over again, you got to be willing to look yourself in the mirror and go, Oh man, I fucked up again. That's great news. 
it's great yeah. news, right? Like you're, yeah. you wake up a little bit and you're free, you're a little freer. Um, yeah, and letting go of the need to like beat yourself up when you screw up. I'll let you know if I get there. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm working on it too. I've been working. I say sometimes, um, oh, aren't I so adorable for, you know, for that nasty thought I just had about myself. That's cute. Aren't, aren't I so lovable? For, that is cute. So re retraining. So then you're not adding more and more fuel to the fire of, of the self-loathing or the feeling like you're not enough. That's, that's okay. Helping me so, so that, so this is, this is the kind of thing, this is actually really great. This is the kind of thing that I like to follow down. So there's like feeling like you're not enough. Right. And then stopping and going, well, am I not enough? And being really fucking honest and being willing to look at yourself mm. and go, shit, I'm not enough. Like you have to, you have to be willing to look and find out the worst news, but the willingness to go, am I not enough? Right. Am I, am I the things I fear I am? And if I am, I want to do something about it. Right. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the self-judgment. I want to deal with being the, th the thing I don't want to be. Yes. <laughs> um, but but the the willingness to find out that i i mean for me it's that i'm not as clever as i like to think i am <laughs> right it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> you seem pretty clever oh god don't feed it don't feed it <laughs> <laughs> it's not what friends are for it's <laughs> uh, funny i like that painting behind you by the way i think over your left shoulder unless Thank this is flipped you. i actually made that when i was three i was <laughs> Are you, are you serious? Yeah. I just took, um, it was like in preschool and it took a fish and then like, you know, like a flounder and then put like all these paints on it and then just slapped the, the flounder on a, on a piece of paper. Amazing. <laughs> that was your, your creative peak. Yeah. Was three, three years, years old. old. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like, I got this. You want it? You want to have it? I was like, sure. Yeah. That's cool. That's Somebody cool. told me recently, self-love is the only love. And that really stuck with me. Oh, man. That's the kind of comment where I'm like, I can feel these walls come up. Mm. When I'm like, oh, man, that's deep. Don't make me look that deep. It'll make me like, <laughs> you know, like, like that's, that's, that's a, that'll knock you on your fucking ass if you hear that, a comment like that, right? It's easy to, for that to just be a meme. And you're like, the only kind of love is self-love. Mm. But to actually sit with that and be like, is that true? And what does that mean if that's true? I liked it because it made me it made me feel like I could let everybody else off the hook and just feel good. Like, and that's been the great thing about this quarantine is like instead of running around the city like a chicken with my head cut off teaching like twenty fitness classes a week, now I'm like I've got time to like get naked and go into the forest and you know cold plunge with my bros and um, it's just it's so much more chill. It's like oh, okay, I've got permission to just love myself because then everything seems to just flow better when I do that. Um, and I think now that I have tools, I think if you don't have tools to love yourself, that's really scary. Like if somebody told me that when I was doing like cocaine and stuff, I would be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to love myself, but now I have something like, okay, I'd like to do some breath work. Okay. I'll, I'll set a timer for an hour and play some epic music and do some, some breath work or, Instead of, um, you know, drinking alcohol, I'll have some Kratom. I don't know if you've heard of Kratom. Yeah, I, um, I think I tried it once and didn't. Did you? 
do anything for me. I'm, I don't. Hmm. I it didn't do anything for my brother some. either. So maybe it just doesn't affect. Some. Yeah, you have some. What exactly? What exactly is it? It's a plant. It's like a tree. It's a leaf of a tree from Bali, that sort of area, and it acts like an opiate in the body. It's not an opiate, but it acts like an opioid in the body, and um, it's been used uh, to help get people off like heavy street drugs, um, help people get off of alcohol, and. Yeah, it's really helped me. Like I haven't had a drink of alcohol in like eight months and I like to take a little bit of Kratom in the evening and it sort of just calms me. I feel more in my body. And instead of making poor choices like I did when I was drinking, uh, I seem to make more self-loving choices. You know, like- what What do you call a poor choice? Like going onto Tinder and having like sex and doing cocaine with a stripper and having her suck my cock and like spending too much money on that. And then, being place for it, maybe. No, and then being and then being broke <laughs> not a good choice bad choice yeah, yeah. not the most so, life-giving so, so bad choice is one in which your uh it's a long-term bad choice bad uh, choice for me is like a, a choice that doesn't support life doesn't support life okay yeah I like that and then that's, a good choice would be something that supports life yeah what's the best choice you made today Best choice I made. Talk to you. Oh, I set you um, up for that, didn't I? And the second, <laughs> the second best choice was um, not ruminating. Somebody, a friend of mine, sort of was a, a bit critical, but I know he's just going through his own thing, and I, I didn't take it on. I just sort of let it go. So I think that was a really good choice I made today. Instead of like going up into my head and thinking about it, it's like, oh, okay, he is where he is. It's all good. I'm gonna gonna go get some spring water and go walk in nature instead of taking on other people's stuff. So when you you made the comment about self-love being the only love, is that the comment? That's the, well, that's what the dude told me. That's what the dude told you. Did you hear that as, oh, so I can't, all of my thinking about getting love from other people in the world is a little misguided. Is, Is that was that part of what you heard in that? I think I heard that other people could be loving me so much and really just showering me with love. But if I'm not really cultivating it for myself, it'll be really hard to feel it. It won't land. I won't be able to feel it as much as when I allow myself to really have good daily habits that keep me in my highest and I think I started first by, you know, going from a place where I was really not being very kind to myself to being kinder. It's like, what would somebody, if I really love myself, what would I do? Like, what, how would I treat myself? How would I think about myself? You know, throw yourself a party with a stripper and a bunch of love. Oh my God. That was, <laughs> that was one of the last times that I did cocaine. I was like, William, I deserve I it. I was like, I need to stop. This is not me. <laughs> this is so not me right now. <laughs> Did, are you um, are you comfortable talking about like if you smoke pot at all and that kind of thing or sure I'm yeah assuming... I mean I've tried it I find that almost every time I do it I get anxious so for me the kratom seems to work better with my system I never get anxious on kratom whereas with with coke with um, pot cannabis I just feel kind of like I want to crawl out of my skin. No, it's not. That's not fun. Not a fun sensation. Do you, no. do you indulge? Do you like it? I do like it. It depends. Um, 
I mean, different strains are like different drugs and different doses are like different drugs, like any drug where you're like, hmm. it's so, it, it's amazing to me how, I mean, I started liking it when I learned to take much lower doses of it. Hmm. Like just the tight, like yeah, it's yeah, all about yeah. the quick exhale, right? Tiny bit, yeah, yeah. Because I, I grew up, you know, you grew up, I grew up in Ontario and like, uh, you know, you're a broke kid and maybe you smoke some pot and it's all about like, taking a big hit and then holding it for as long as you can because oh, you want to yeah. get your money's worth, right? <laughs> and I just, I never grew out of that. And then um, a friend of mine kind of pointed out to me that perhaps lower doses would be, do you good? Hmm. Um, and it's funny because for a while it was sort of like, well, that would be fun. Well, that'd be a bit more fun stoned. And now it's like, I don't even know what makes me do it it's like sometimes i'll get high and do what i would be doing usually just like stretching i'll just like i have mats in my place and i'll just like roll around and stretch but i'll do that sober too and it's not better high it's just sometimes the thing i do yeah i don't know it's like uh like how some people like their daily coffee i i actually switched to matcha oh nice Uh, i love i'm a matcha guy yeah yeah it's good i like the dough matcha organic summer harvest i got that from santa this year i'm gonna have to uh i'll, I'll message you after for that one yeah I'll, i'm not I'll, uh, i'm new to the matcha game totally man yeah because if you can get a nice um summer harvest matcha it's like a ceremonial grade it's very sweet whereas some oh. of the non-organic can be filled with lead and also the um the older leaves they get really sort of like tanniny and um sour almost like sour just bitter bitter is the word mm yeah cool so i'll I'll send you some good some links to some good ones because then you don't have to add really much sweetener because it's already naturally i'd appreciate that a lot yeah the sound that i've had to mix in i mix something in that has a bit of a sweetener in it um Mm. and it's delicious but if i didn't have to do that that would be a win exactly yeah i'll send you i'll send you some good ones but um yeah Sorry, I, I, der- I derailed this a little. No, bit. <laughs> no, this is good. I like I. That's how I like it. I like it to just be like a free form conversation. Okay, um, so can I can I interview you? Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, well, I and I apologize. Just skip this if this is if this story is everywhere else because I'm not familiar with your work. I mean, we met mm-hmm. online a couple days ago. Um, but what what was it? What do you want to bring to guys and their dicks? Hmm. what's the thing that you're like, that's, oh man, that lights me up. I want to bring that to men and their penises. Well, I mean, it's not just the penis. It's, it's the, I just want people to feel better being who they really are. And I feel like the cult that runs this planet um, has done a really good job at putting trauma, like wounding men in the root and women um, through things like circumcision, uh, premature forced forcible retraction, which is where they rip the foreskin back, which is what happened to me when I was four. The doctor rips the foreskin back, but they don't understand that the foreskin is glued to the head of the penis until the boy is anywhere from age six to 20 years old. So he just ripped it back and then it got all scarred. And then it, then it, I almost had to get a circumcision later because it was got the phimosis. So I, I want men to feel healed in the root, connected to the root, feel good in the root. And then through the fluoridation of the water and the toothpastes and through things like spraying of glyphosate on the food, all these chemicals and pesticides that cuts us off from our crown chakra. So many of us are just operating from the ego, from the body. 
So my prayer is that we all feel more connected to heaven and more connected to the earth and to our, our cocks and balls as men. Because you, you could turn that into a prayer. Yeah. Dear God, <laughs> please bless our penises and testicles. <laughs> Namaste. I request the blessing. <laughs> I just want everybody to feel more juicy. <laughs> more juicy. Just live That's... in a juicier world. A juicier world, because then it's like we we don't need as much outside of ourselves to feel the way we most want to feel and we can generate it, you know, from within. And there's all this talk about positive thinking, but it's really hard to think positively if your glandular system's all poisoned from, you know, these chemicals. That are, there's $5 billion worth of lawsuits right now towards Monsanto for Roundup and glyphosate is the active ingredient in that and causes lymphoma. It causes autism. It causes leaky gut syndrome. It lowers sperm count. It, lowers your juiciness can it, do you do you see the humans who made the decisions for monsanto as different than you and i in any way i think that they just want to make money i think it's like a bottom line thing i don't think it's necessarily their fault it's just we live in this matrix society that's built upon predatory capitalism so i think that we all sometimes make choices that maybe are putting um the bottom line before wellness so i would hope that you know people in the positions who are still choosing to to sell products like that over time will start to wake up i think a lot of people just aren't aware they just sweep it underneath the rug and we all do that to varying degrees so i don't think we're any different than those people just maybe perhaps in certain areas certain people are more ignorant or aren't educated because i didn't know about glyphosate until a few years ago and i started to do some research and i was like oh my god this is sprayed on like a lot of food. <laughs> this is, I don't know if that's really very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. It's, a, yeah. it's an interesting feedback loop because you have, um, you have to be a, a certain level of sick in your system. I don't know, you know, to, to be putting the bottom line first. There, there's mm -hmm. just there's an orientation there which is one of fear and greed which isn't a healthy mind like it's not a no. nice mind to live in either right like, and i bet not... glyphosate contributes to that frequency of putting the bottom line first glyphosate being one of many different things that contribute to that yeah i i guess um because when you don't so... feel good in your body it's hard to to not put the bottom line first. It's hard to put wellness first when you're, you yourself are feeling pinched off. Well, I, I just think that you don't even realize that there's something else to put first. That's your world, mm -hmm. right? Like you're not thinking, oh, fuck health. You're thinking, it's like when you're, when you're on Tinder, right? Mm -hmm. You're not thinking that you're not doing your soul a favor by going out and trying to find a hooker to do blow with you're just fixated on doing that thing that's your world that's your reality you're not a bad guy for it you're just you're just, just living compulsion. yeah you're just in a bubble and that's totally. it um and so you make the decisions that make sense from within that bubble and that's what we're all doing all the time mm -hmm. um and back to the the how to get a little bit more grounded thing it's big part of it is just realizing like boy we might only be dealing with bubbles. I've had a couple experiences that seem to be beyond bubbles, but 
when I go back into bubbles, I'm very hesitant to believe that, <laughs> that it wasn't just a more expanded bubble. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's, there's, I think that there's just like a kind of a willingness to be like, yep, yeah, this is how things appear to me right now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Not, not an ultimate truth. Maybe, I mean, sometimes you get touched by things that really seem absolute and those are always beautiful. I don't think mm-hmm. that there are any painful absolute truths, um, but I, I I don't know. It's like I I, I guess I look at the, the, there's a lot of I went down a political rabbit hole recently. Okay, so I mm-hmm. historically I just haven't looked at politics because I'm like that seems like a lot of misinformation that I don't feel like digging through. So I'm just gonna like brush it under the rug. And then I had time and everybody was posting about politics and I started digging into it. And um, kind of got to the place where I was like, wow, it seems like this whole thing is built on thinking that I'm different than them or we're different than them. Right. Divide and conquer. It's, it's all divide and conquer. But even the people who are criticizing it are like, well, we're the ones who are seeing through it. And you guys are the ones who are doing it to us. And it's like mm. still division in that. Like, totally. I, th- I think that there's another level where there's like a shared humanity where it's like, man, we're all struggling. We're all doing our best. Right. Totally. And like, um, and I think the self-love piece comes in there because I personally huge. find it easier to come from that place of trading positions for common ground when I feel like I love myself. It might be a necessary prerequisite. I'm not sure. It looks like yeah. it, like yeah. it looks it, like, cause when you're scared, like when you're lacking love and you're just in this fearful world, your priority is to survive. Like that's what we're built for. And you put yourself before anyone else, but when you've got enough, then you can be like, Hey, you can like look around and be like, Hey, that, that person could use some, use a hand. Like we can share here. We can, you know, but we go into fear and it's very, uh, I'm going to look after me when you're scared. Right right your state yeah fight or flight totally so what do you do i want to hear more about your practices and i love how on i was listening to another podcast that you were on and you're yeah or i can't remember which one it was i listened to the one with brian then some other girls podcast you're on and talking about like somebody told you to like allow yourself to feel sexy (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was like, that's such a good exercise oh, so fuck. can you talk more about what the prescription was how you carried it out and what the result was this is this is so good um so instead of sexy i need the word juicy just because okay. i'm on your podcast <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it's gonna be fun so, i was actually asked to be on a podcast called getting juicy and i declined <laughs> what <laughs> what i just didn't resonate with me i was like eh, no but anyway um yeah so the you know being professionally sexually appealing people assumed that i felt sexy now something that i'm sure that you've noticed if you went through a phase of chasing sort of traditionally good looking people is that looking good does not make you feel sexy and looking bad does not make you feel ugly they're just they they might be loosely correlated but i'm not even sure of that <laughs> um, they seem to be uh independent things where 
we are oriented to believe that if I see someone and I feel sexual arousal, then they must feel sexy. And it's almost like insulting when they don't feel sexy. And then you're like, but you're sexy. You're supposed to feel sexy. And then being the person. So on cam, you get a lot of white knights. You get a lot of people who are like telling you that you're great. And so you should be happy and feel sexy. And you're like, you have no idea how much this isn't landing. <laughs> like this just isn't how my psyche works. Maybe some people, I don't know. Anyway, so um, I was seeing somebody who, um, we talked about this stuff pretty much constantly. This is what they're very interested in, is what I'm very interested in. And we were playing and exploring. So we had a lot of layers to the dynamic to explore. Um, and that came up. It was just like, yeah, I, I don't know that I ever feel sexy, like in the sense of feeling, um, I never expect myself to be attractive to anyone. Hmm. And they were like, for those who are just listening to audio, it was a what the fuck look. <laughs> um, They're like, uh, how do you make a living? And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> right. And so we went, we went down this thread a little bit. Um, and they were, it was really nice because they were able to handle it in a way that um, met my experience where I was. It was just like, oh, that is your world. And I'm not going to argue with you, but I will giggle and point out the absurdity of it, which I think is totally reasonable. Um, and then they said, okay, they sometimes give me assignments and they're always fun assignments. Um, an assignment that I was given yesterday, actually two assignments that I was given that were really great. One was um, write about the, the juiciest moments of 2020 um and then write about some juicy moments that would be really fun to happen in 2021 cool right which is fun right that's like a fun exercise of going into good feelings having some good memories letting your fantasy or your imagination run away with you guilt guiltlessly uh and just it also like it's a nice framing to dig in and be like these things don't have to come true but like what am i willing to let myself fantasize about like it's fun to kind of come up against edges where you're like oh that'd be fucking oh i can't get off to that right or like oh but what are they going to think about this or you know and it was given in the context of like hey whatever you do with those lists you don't have to share it with me you don't have to share it with any you can share it you can not share it you can burn it whatever so there was sort of privacy built into it um and the second one was uh, <laughs> to be open to when I'm interacting with people and particularly women, be open to if they want me and how much they want me and what that feels like. And to just kind of like, actually like to, to be there and feel it rather than just intellectually notice it, which cool. I'm like very, I can watch cues and watch how people are and like, just done that dance so many times that you're like, I can get this, but I don't necessarily feel the juice in it. Right. Right. So super fun exercises. This exercise was spend some time each day over the next few days. No, no strict parameters. Right. It's like, you got to do what feels good. You can't force it. Um, just letting yourself feel sexy. 
just let yourself feel sexy. Cause like, I, I think that along the lines of it being a birthright, it's a very natural thing to feel sexy if we're not stopping it within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like that, that flows. There's, there's, the, there is that inner juiciness and the things that get in a way are the stories we tell ourselves, which we learn from society and our parents and whatever. But ultimately it's, it's an inside job that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and hilariously, I then got on cam maybe a week or two weeks later um, and just had a great time. I had more fun. My clients had more fun. I made more money. I felt less depleted afterwards. Hmm. And uh, actually, again, two days ago, the last two days, I hopped on cam for two. I hadn't worked since July. um, And I hopped on cam the last two days and was just like, I mean, people, they they remember you and they miss you. And there's a lot of energy when you come back. But um, I got on and I was like open to, you know, they're, you know, oh, you have the fucking most beautiful cock and they're saying things like that. And I'm kind of going like, what if I believed them, right? Like, what if I was actually open to taking that compliment and being affected the way they want me to? Like, they're saying that because they want to make me feel good. They want to like share that joy with me. Mm-hmm. And here I am just being this rigid prick <laughs> um, and not being open to it right having all these walls up and having this like I, I had this narrative that basically if I felt sexy it would be offensive to a certain number of people hmm. and I think that's true I, <laughs> I still think that's true but I think that I, I can be attentive enough to notice it and not put it in people's faces not ram it down their throats to kind of have a fun little play with that totally. um because I, I am not interested in pushing it on anybody or, or not pushing it on anybody, but like even just existing in a way that people don't want to be around, right? Like I, it's like in the same way, I don't want to be an asshole. I don't really want to be just kind of like oozing juiciness around people who have whatever going on that that's upsetting to them right? Yeah. It's like, I don't need to be pouring this out. I can, I can feel good and I don't need to be like broadcasting it. I can, if I want to. Um, yeah, there's a time and a place for every, yeah. every, every energy. Yeah. I, I heard once, um, when you dim your light, the whole world gets darker. Yeah. So to me, that would be presence and not juiciness. Hmm. Juiciness is like, it's fun to play with, but I don't, I don't, it's not the be end all end all be end, totally be all, be all end all be, that's the one i got it yes clip that i guess um, for me it was like going from sort of feeling like a a, a monk to just feeling you know <laughs> a little bit sexy in my everyday life you know? yeah not like yeah forcing it on people but just feeling kind of glandular <laughs> like you know who comes to mind uh russell brand oh i love him i love him too he's amazing he does oh fuck he does like sexual but masculine like flamboyantly masculine i'm like how the fuck do you pull that off that is (laughs) amazing he does that so well and he's i mean he's fucking super brilliant um but great example of that definitely of kind of over the top just like juicy energy everywhere (laughs) (laughs) it's like appealing and it does it's not really I bet it's it's a little bit of too much of something for some people, but that's okay, you know. 
can't be yeah can't be everything all things to all people as they say that'd be tough yeah that would be tough did did, did i did i did i full circle that um no that was good and then the practice of um something about like loving loving your cock were you given an exercise or you were just talking about that like how self-esteem yeah. as related to accepting one's cock and i always tell my students like the guys who come to my sexual kung fu classes i'm like two things are invariably going to come up a cock size shame and sort of like a gay panic like holy fuck like i'm on zoom with all these like a dudes who are stroking panic. our dicks That's yeah like crazy. a gay it's interesting because like guys will come to my class whether it's an in-person class or an online class and um 99 of the time people really resonate but then every once in a while there'll be a guy who'd be like oh my god that was so amazing like right after class like i really love that then like five days later he's like what the fuck was that like that was so weird like you know you're you're crazy why why why'd you get us to do those things and it's like they this sort of gay panic sets in sometimes and so now i i at the beginning of class i say you know two things may come up a sort of like internalized homophobia thing and or like a cock size shame and now that i broach that <coughs> It kind of, and I say, and I'm here for any aftercare. Like if, if you need to talk, I'm here. And so that's, that's really helps just sort of starting the class or saying that at some point in the class. Well, it's nice too, because what you're doing is there's so much like waking up in the morning, you have a nice quiet mind, right? And then your judgment machine comes in mm -hmm. and suddenly you're like, oh my God, I spent so long in bed this morning, wasting time. Right. And you've got this change of state where you're like okay which world do i want to live in i'm gonna to have to do some work to live in the peaceful world because i've got these narratives this uh in this case homophobia um that is you know it's got some momentum to it but by naming it when it comes up the chances that they're going to be identified with it and fully step into it i'm sure are greatly reduced because it's like oh this is what this is i was warned that this was going to come up it's like kind of coming down at the end of a high when right. you're like That's regular thinking comes back in that you think is you and they think they're your ideas but then you had had this like just totally expansive experience that is almost difficult to relate to when you're identified with this kind of denser thought um it's nice it's nice to outline that and be like that's what that is and that's not it doesn't have to be you like you can yeah. you can you can hang on to that if you want but like this was beautiful and that is stressful <laughs> so like you're gonna have to do the work you're gonna it's uncomfortable you're gonna have to face it you're gonna have to go through it but this is the the reward this is your cookie like totally yes yeah, want the uh, cookie yeah um, eat the cookie enjoy it eat the cookie and stroke your dick you stroke uh, your cock <laughs> So um, what was the cock exercise that, or, or the point that you talked about how like self-esteem is related to yeah. like, accepting your cock? Um, so again, I think that this is a bit of a chicken and an egg thing. I'm not sure that it's related to accepting my cock so much as if I'm less judgmental, I will have what appears to be higher self-esteem and I will not be judging my cock. And so there will be acceptance of my cock built in. Mm -hmm. It's possible that thinking my cock is great could translate to the rest of my life, but I don't think that's a given. Um, it, it's, it's cool. It's great. It's good. Um, but I know people who have great cocks and they know they've got great cocks. And in the context of their cock being out, they're full of themselves in a great way. 
and the rest of their lives, they have no boundaries. They can't say no. They don't know how to speak up. They, you know, so there's, I, I, again, this isn't my work. So like you understand the nuance of this and how that translates in a way that I don't, but that's sort of my, my initial thought on that is that, um, uh, for a long time, I thought if I liked my cock, the rest of my world would fall into place. And it's, it kind it's not, of, yeah, it's not a magic. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, once I have enough money, then everything will work. It's like, well, I mean, it's great to like your cock, but, um, how have you, how have you come to like it more? <laughs> uh, so in line of this accepting that somebody, this is hilarious. I mean, have you ever had somebody going down on you or like maybe earlier when you're in your sex addiction, sort of had a hard time accepting head for a particularly long time thinking, is this person still want to be doing it? Are they just trying to get me off? Am I not coming fast enough? Have you had any of that? Yes, I, I remember. Yeah, that um, a memory's coming to surface. Yeah, distance, distant past. Yeah, so. and I'm and I'm thinking like, are, yeah, are they liking this? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. like, do they wish that I would just finish so that they, they could want me be to done? Just come? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally. So, so, in in accepting that, like, oh, um, they might literally be doing exactly what they want to be doing right now. Nothing to do with my cock, but like my willingness to trust another human self-direction, right? It's like, are you only doing what you want to be doing? And part of how this came about was going to bed with people who mid-interaction would stop and be like, hey, I need a break. I'm kind of getting overwhelmed. This is too much. I'm in my head, whatever. And that started building this trust where I went, one, oh, I get to do that too, which means I get to pay attention to my own experience and actually like go where I need to go and not just like push if I think I'm supposed to be erect and having a good time and doing this and showing enthusiasm. Like if I'm not there, I'm not there. Mm -hmm. um, and it also built this trust up for like, oh, that means that if you're taking my cock down your throat, it's because you want to be. Wow. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like you're actually doing the thing you want to be doing. You're not doing it as a favor you're doing it because you love sucking my dick, mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, I guess I can be open to that idea. That's sort of like a big jump from a lot of my ideas. Cool. And then that, you know, if you think about like um, consciousness being like, okay, you're looking out a window and all of our neuroses and history and ideas about life and ideas about ourselves are scratches on the window you see a clearer picture as those things clear. So like mm -hmm. taking that layer of thinking off my mind, all of those worries gave me a, a much more direct contact with my cock, which then led to loving, you know, it's like I'm in yes. love with it now. Like I'm actually having this direct experience of it or more direct experience of it. How did you clean your window? How did I clean it? Yeah, what are, you, what are your tools for cleaning, clearing the window? Um, well, I guess this is the, um, so in following that sort of like that stillness, that peace of mind, I, I read a lot of spiritual shit. I listen to a lot of spiritual teachers. I, I love meditating in the morning. I, I get up and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do first thing. That's how I want to start my day. That's a beautiful way to start a day. How do you Not meditate? Walk us through, would you I walk us through a sort of a morning routine, a typical morning? 
Yeah. So sure. usually I wake up with a throbbing erection, mm-hmm. which maybe is what wakes me up. I don't know. Um, and so I'll probably spend some amount of time just like holding it and being like, that cock feels great. I, d- I didn't even realize I did this, but being on this podcast <laughs> this might be part of it. Awesome. Um, there's just like that when you feel the stiffness, like right down to your asshole, basically, like mm-hmm. right into the root of it where you're like, oh my God, that thing is, you could hammer a nail into a two by four. <laughs> I think wouldn't, but you could. <laughs> um, and just, just feeling good and like, you know, flexing my pelvis and like feeling that like, oh my God, this is like, this is really nice. And then when I want to, I get up, I like generally have my morning scheduled so that I don't have to wake up to an alarm if I can, um, which is, you know, it has upsides and downsides. I think that routines um, really serve some people. And I think that they can get people going in a good direction. And I think that, you know, you lose something by not having routine, but right now this is what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get up and I, uh, put water on, uh, put the kettle on, I get in the shower, have a shower. And then for the last two minutes, I have a toothbrush, which has a timer on it. I switch the water to cold. I do my two, two minutes of brushing my teeth of, oh, nice. um, and so this, this to me was again, from the, from the person who gave me this, all these assignments, she described her cold showers as non-reactivity training. Mm, that's good. Yeah. And I do a cold shower every morning too. Yeah. Them. You just get this ice cold shower. And if you can just stand there and be, still in it rather than like ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, right mm-hmm. you can stand there and be still in it and then you can start to so i guess this is meditation number one is i feel the distinction between the sensation of cold on my skin and the way that's running into my body mm-hmm. and the emotional intensity that is the reaction to that cold and so there's any intensity that you feel any sharpness any any kind of panic that isn't the cold water on your skin is an emotional component of it. And so you're not feeling the water on your skin when you're in that and reacting to it. Hmm. And so I have the water on my skin and I just, I just watch that. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get rid of the emotional component and I'm not necessarily trying to feel the water more than the emotional component, but I'm just noticing that those are two different things. And just feeling it really you just like you just being open to the intensity to the to the panic sometimes like sometimes it's a lot um and open to the cold and just Mm. just feeling that just being there for it and then i get out of the shower i come out here i make matcha i uh sometimes spend like a couple minutes moving just like kind of getting my body moving a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a cushion, um, that I sit on and I've got a view of the ocean from where I sit. Um, and so I'll sit and, um, <laughs> that basically, nice. right. And watch it, your mind. Um, yeah, I mean, you could say, watch my mind. It's feel your body sensations. Yeah, feel my body sensations, watch my mind, often just think myself crazy, right? Um, sometimes I'll, 
uh, I'll label a thought. Um, so it'd be like, oh, wondering what the whether the stock went up or down last night, right? And then I'll label it and then I'll just watch it and feel where I feel it in my body and then just watch it, not try to push it away, not trying to resist it, but just. Do you label it thinking, thinking, or do you lay, how do you label it? Yes. Yeah, sometimes I'll say like having a thought, this, like having a thought, I hope that went up and then feeling often tension it with a thought like that. Um, and then I'll just watch it like a hawk and inevitably it leaves. Right. And when it leaves there, I am watching nothing and rinse, wash, repeat. Um, How, how long do you meditate for usually? um, So I'll do that part of it of just sitting. Um, These days I'm not labeling much. I'm really just kind of um, resting. It's like, can I, um, there's nothing to be done about my experience is kind of where it is. It's like, I'm going to just be with everything that comes up. However, it comes up, if it's tense, if it's painful, if it's panicky, if it's peaceful, if it's insightful, if it's whatever, um, and just let it be however it is and experience it as directly as I happen to be experiencing it. Um, and then I like to listen to uh, a talk Um, there's eight talks on YouTube, which I just absolutely love. I've been listening to them. I've been listening to at least one a morning for like 14 months now. I just cycle through them. Uh, there's a Zen teacher, uh, out of San Diego named, uh, J-O-K-O, uh, Beck, B-E-C-K. Um, and there's eight Dharma talks, uh, by her. And she just has a way of outlining the path that boy did it make a lot of shit make more sense like i I spent so much time i'd have these really expansive experiences where it's like yeah everything's love everything's beautiful it's all like the simplicity when your mind clears is like it's so profound where you just kind of go how could i ever get lost again like it's so simple and it's right here all the time you're never without it it's always just here just this whatever it is and then get back into identified with thinking and try to think your way back there and judge that you're not there and get frustrated and Hmm. i spent so much time having these like experiences and then not being able to have them translate into my day-to-day at all which like Hmm. if you're jumping from experience to experience and your life's still fucked like what are you doing like it's fun i guess but like it's not it's just like a it's a weird trip kind of thing um and and so i started listening to these talks and i was like whoa i'm absolutely doing that my life is pretty out to lunch in a lot of ways um and I'm barking up the wrong tree with how I'm trying to solve it. And like, again, innocently, I'm just in this bubble. This is the way things look to me. I'm not like wrong or bad for that being my experience, but like, it just wasn't getting me the thing I was trying to get how I was going about it. And so I started listening to these talks and like, I mean, I've listened to, let's say average all of them once a week for 70 weeks. And I've always heard something new in them. Like you, it's just the way she lays it out is so, it just works for my mind. And and I think that a big part of this kind of work, this path is people just have to go with what works for them. 
right? Mm -hmm. If you like reading the Bible, read the Bible. If you want to read, if you want to listen to Joko Beck, listen to Joko Beck. If I recently got into, I got a book from a good friend of mine, um, this book, which doesn't that just look like a book with some wisdom in it? Yeah. Um, which is a parenthesis in eternity huh. um, by somebody named Joel Goldsmith. Uh, parenthesis in eternity is referring to this lifetime, hmm. which it's just like, how beautiful is that? Right. Like That's <laughs> that works for me. Right. I love and it's very like, you know, warning to people. It's got very, it talks about God and like soul and Christ consciousness a lot. And, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, when you first start to play with this stuff, you want something that doesn't trigger those all the associations we have with those words and all the way that they've been corrupted and twisted and fucked up basically. Mm -hmm. um, and again, innocently, it's just people, words don't mean anything. They're sounds. Um, right. And so when we hear the word God, for some person, it might mean the energy of all things and they might have an experience of it that's like meaningful and expansive. And for somebody else, it represents the nuns beating the shit out of them. Right. So it's like the same word, very different meaning. Um, so anyway, so I'll sit, I usually sit for 20, 30, 45 minutes, and then I'll listen to one of the talks. I'm still sitting. And with that, I'm, I'm very, I'm interested in just hearing the, the words coming out. I'm not interested in interpreting them. I'm not, I'm not stopping myself from interpreting them, but it's not something I'm figuring out. I'm just listening to it. And if something happens to hit me, cool. And if not, cool. If I zone out, cool. If I don't, great. If I have a kink in my neck, great. If I need to adjust something, I will. I like, I'm just, I'm <laughs> like yeah, some people are, you know, moment. it's different, different style for different people. Some people really like a strict practice and maybe objectively that would be better, but I would stop doing it if I was really strict with myself. And totally. so it's like, what can I do that I love to do? And you got to, you do it for the love of it, man. Like you do it because you start to open up in yourself and like you fall in love with it. You fall in love with what you find. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing it to fix yourself, that'll get you going. Um, but that will get in the way of going deeper. Like if you have an agenda about what you're going to find and what results you're going to get and how it's going to fix your life. And like, you don't, one of the chapters that I just read in this was about praying and it's like praying is um, surrendering totally. It's not going to God with a list of things that like, you think he doesn't know I mean, I'm saying he, it's, you think that like the all knowing energy of the universe needs this small portion of itself to come and say, Hey, you missed something. I would like this, <laughs> like, the, like the arrogance that we, we bring to a practice like this, that unfortunately is what gets in the way of us going deeper. Totally. Um, and just the, the surrender and the willingness to have an experience that your mind isn't okay with like, oh, is that gay, right? Like you surrender to it and you touch something beautiful and big and then your insecurities come back in and like, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be easy. Like your, your ego is gonna fight tooth and nail probably for the rest of your life. But it, it's, once you get going, you can't stop even if you want to. <laughs> totally. 
right. And the safer you feel, the less the ego gets in the way. Yeah. Somebody told me when the ego is balanced, it's the glue that keeps the body and the soul, the soul and the body. When the ego is balanced, it's the glue that keeps the soul in the body. Hmm. I'm going to reflect on that. Because his name's Guru Singh and the idea is like, you have to have a little bit of ego. Otherwise you're, you're not standing for yourself and you need some glue. You need a little bit of glue. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you just cam or, or do you also do stuff like Dex Parker does with, with um, like um, acting in, in erotic films? No, I mean, I like to turn on a camera when I'm having sex sometimes, but um, <laughs> it's fun to record. It's kind of hot to watch later. Homemade porn is way better porn because it is exactly the kind of sex you want to have. Um, <laughs> um, no, I don't do that. I really love connecting with people. I love working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I love talking about this kind of stuff with them. I, this is... It's just so fun, man. Like, and there's so much, there's so much darkness and confusion and shame and so much juice, juiciness mm -hmm. to be let out that I think for people who have gone through some portion of it, where like you found some juiciness and you found some comfort in it, that if somebody's confused, lost, apprehensive, like, but knows they want, like, there's something over there for me, right? It's like, oh man, I want to talk to those people. And, and I do. So I spend a lot of my time just on Zoom calls, Skype calls, that kind of thing. Um, having this conversation, basically. I, re I really like the one-on-one -on -one conversation where somebody comes to me with what they're uniquely hitting up against as like the edge of their bubble that feels like reality. And then just sitting there and being like, hey, let's reflect together. Like sometimes it's really nice to have somebody um to kind of help you focus on it because like we don't like to look at the things that are uncomfortable it can be like very difficult to identify again to bring it full circle to like the silent parts in our experience mm. like blind spots are very blind sometimes <laughs> um so I, I i do more of that than uh, erotic acting um so it sounds almost like you you coach people in a way um yeah yeah i guess i guess that would be the probably the most appropriate term for it um yeah i love it and it doesn't have to be that sex either i mean it's much it's a bigger picture thing for me it's about peace and contentment and like just being engaged with life in a way where you're like oh this is what life feels like right this is like mm -hmm. i knew something was off <laughs> totally Totally. And yeah. what do you, what do your parents think about what you do? Hilarious. So I cammed for about two and a half. So I kind of, I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. And I am worried about what some people think, but I'm not going to live my life according to my fears of their opinions. Totally. Um, so I started camming thinking, oh, I'll just do this for few months make some money and then I'm like this is really working for me and like it's interesting and it allows me to travel and um, study with different people it sounds like you've worked with a lot of people as well and like mm -hmm. that takes money it takes time it takes freedom of location right and so mm -hmm. Camin gave me all those things to seek out mentors who I that's what I wanted to do like I I just that's what was interesting to me that's awesome and so two and a half years in I was living in uh, Mexico 
And I had a dream that I had what's called mail blasting. It's like you can mail blast everyone who's ever spent a credit on you on the site. And I had accidentally CC'd my father in this dream. And it was something like, you know, come to the show. My dick is going to be all over your face. Or, you know, it was very explicitly (laughs) the thing I was doing. And I hit send. And as soon as I clicked send in the dream, I saw that it was CC'd. And I went, I woke up and I went, oh, my honest reaction in that dream was relief. Hmm. Right? Because I've I've been avoiding their calls. I've been dreading their questions, stringing together this story of like, well, what are you doing? How are you making money? Right? And like, they know something's going on, right? Like, you can't fucking lie to your parents. It's just, I, I don't know. Maybe some people can. I, I can't. And so I figured, okay, uh, I don't think I have the balls to phone them, but I need to do this. And so I wrote them an email. Hmm. I was like, Hey, this is better than not doing it. And this is the bar that I can meet right now. And so I'm going to do it. I'm not stoked about it, but yeah. Um, I, I honestly don't want to actually hear their opinion in the moment, to be honest. I don't want to feel the shock. I don't, I don't need that in my brain. Um, and so I spent a couple days writing an email and I was, uh, with a girlfriend at the time and she read it and reread it and I edited it and I finally sent it. And it was basically saying, this is how I've been making money. It works for me. I'm happy. Um, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them, but I figured I would give you the ability or like the freedom and the, the respect to disown me if you're not happy with it so that you know who you're engaging with, right? Like I'm not going to trick you into engaging me if you actually have a problem with this then i'll give you the right to close the door right i'll be like let you let you make up your own mind right like give you what you're dealing with here do you want to engage now we can engage honestly you don't want to engage well then i shouldn't have been lying to you because like i was tricking you into an engagement that you're not happy with Hmm. um sent the email got an email back from my father like I don't know, 10 minutes later or something being like, well, if you're not exchanging fluids with strangers for money, great. And I was like, you're a practical dude. <laughs> like that is, that's a fucking reasonable bar. That's totally reasonable. Right. So he was, um, well, he was cool with it. I mean, he didn't let on that. He wasn't. That's uh, great. He wasn't. And how did your mom respond? She took her a few days. I got an email saying, well, this was great. She's like, well, initially I was shocked, but not surprised, <laughs> <laughs> which is just fucking great. Um, I mean, part of like, I think that they knew I was living with a bunch of people in the industry in Vegas. Like it wasn't. Where did you grow up? Uh, Toronto, Ontario. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, I had actually moved to Vegas with a mentor of mine who had had a history in the industry. And that was sort of the the tie in with everything. Um, but she said, yeah, I talked to your father. Like, ultimately, if it works for you, that's fine. Like, I'm not jazzed about it, but uh, it's also your life. Mm-hmm. I was like, How cool. old were you when you first started Kami? 23, maybe. I looked 17. I mean, I have a young, I'm 29 now, a very young face. Um, And I had a baby face. I'm 6'4 and was like pretty muscular and pretty cut. So it was like this interesting mix of lean muscled body with baby face, which I think like as far as queer bait goes is like right up there. (laughs) It's like it really worked for a lot of guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> you've been able most of your life to your adult life to make a good living off of camming. Yeah, it's I mean, I've made enough money to invest in things and spend some time living on the investments. But um, that's awesome. It, it is a terrific living uh, if you make it work for yourself. Um, and the learning curve was kind of like I kept coming up against these walls, like, for instance, oh, I can't ejaculate five times a day. Okay, how am I going to work around this? Oh, I don't like when people treat me like this. Okay, well, how am I going to learn to deal with that if I'm going to keep doing this? Well, and I don't like they most they your clients usually expect an ejaculation at the end. Is it kind of is that sort of how it normally is or in the industry? Or? Yeah, I mean, that that is pretty standard. Um, Whereas with women, if it was a female model, do they expect them to like squirt? Oh, so jealous. <laughs> so jealous of the women. Um, they obviously hope for them to get off. Right. So this is this is a kind of an interesting uh, miscommunication, I think, societally is this notion that like men really care about their partner's enjoyment in a way that is like everyone gets but it hasn't been actually neatly outlined so if you ask women who you go, hey has anybody here ever faked an orgasm and some number of them go yeah and you go did you fake it to get the guy to stop because it's the, the reason you fake an orgasm is to get him to stop what he's doing. Right? It's like, it's knowing that there's no clean break in that woman's reality to just go, hey, I'm not going to get there and I'm done. Right. And so the surest way to get the guy to stop is to fake an orgasm. And sometimes if the guy's having sex with them, they realize this guy's holding off until I come. So as soon as I come, he has permission to come. And so you fake an orgasm. You're like, okay, so let's just make this a little bit neater. Why don't you just teach him what you like? Because he's clearly invested. He's genuinely invested. He's very invested. And you recognize it on some level based on the, the reasoning to fake an orgasm, but you don't recognize it deeply enough to just teach him, right? To communicate with him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the same thing is true on cam where guys like I'll do a show and you know, somebody asks, Hey, how much for a cum show? I'll say you tip me this much and I'll come and they go, that's absurd. And I go, I know, like, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Like, I have to log off if I ejaculate, like, I'm just, I, I don't want to ejaculate 10 times a day. Exactly. Um, and so basically you're buying my day. And for those who are willing to buy my day, God bless them. I love it. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But often a guy won't ask and he'll just keep adding time. So the way that it works for those who don't know is you buy tokens on the site and those tokens translate into time based on the number of tokens per minute I set my rate to. And so they start a show and we just see the time counting down until it hits zero. In the middle of a show, you can buy more tokens to boost the time up. Mm. And so they'll be buying 25 50 dollars worth of tokens at a time over and over and over and sometimes like you know 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour two hours and it just and, and i'm kind of i'm i can stay hard for two hours if i'm pleasuring myself like i can i can just go real slow and just keep it erect and like mm -hmm. have a good i can just stay juicy right yeah <laughs> and at some point sometimes they'll go are you gonna come and i'll go if i happen to <laughs> <laughs> like right. like if i if i do come yes am i gonna make myself no 
no, I'm not. And, and often at the end of a show, somebody will spend thousand dollars or something on a show hmm. and then they'll apologize that they weren't able to get me off. Hmm. It's so built into, and I, I apologize if this is too one-sided being male and dealing with male clients. This is my perspective. I don't know how invested women are, except, um, for a long time when I was addicted to sex, I wasn't coming during sex because like, mm. well, I didn't actually want to be there with that person. I just liked the way they looked. <laughs> um, and so getting off was really tough. Um, and so there was always kind of this confusion. It's like, do you want me to do anything for you? Or like they'd be giving me head and I'd have to be like, hey, like, I'd love for you to continue. But just so you know, we're not going to get to the end here. Mm -hmm. Like, basically guaranteed like I don't know one in 20 women would be able to get me off giving me head probably less than that um and and there was kind of like a oh you sure that's okay like this kind of um that's not what's supposed to happen like the ejaculation is how we know we're done <laughs> yeah there's such an expectation but it's yeah I think it's just sort of a byproduct of Porn. Porn and just being taught that there's only one way to to finish a sexual experience. But but you know and and I know there's many different ways and you can channelize your energy upwards. You could do uh yeah. Have you heard of Yabyum? No, but that's the cutest name. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's where two partners uh one plays sort of the more <clears throat> excuse me, the masculine polarity and one plays the more feminine polarity. So the more feminine polarity straddles the the man if, if it's a man and woman uh and then you just like do some eye gazing maybe some kissing and then go heart to heart and you just inhale bring the energy up each other's spines exhale bring it back down inhale squeeze the rectum sex organ navel as you roll the eyes up bring the energy up to the crown chakra exhale bring it back down that's kind of like the simplest way to do it you can do other ways where you bring the energy up your spine is they're bringing it up their spine and then you kind of envelop them with your with your electromagnetic field and bring it down their spine or down the front it can get really specific but basically you're just playing with energy and that can be like super orgasmic. You like have a brain orgasm without even. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's like some That's of the most deep sexual experiences I've had have been doing that with another. And you literally feel like you're inside of them. Like you're, you're becoming one and it's, it's so beautiful. And I know there's people like uh Davey wavy who are doing uh, like uh, different types of porn channels where it's like, it's not just focused on getting off. Um, but yeah, still like the predominance of the porn industry and, and of the cam. And it seems like it's all about like getting, getting off, like having the ejaculation. Whereas like, I feel like eventually it's going to shift. It's just the masses are still so stuck in that kind of paradigm. But I feel like you can, you can shift it just by you being you. And now you're not, you're not ejaculating five times. Like now you're, you're sort of realizing that it kind of depletes you to do it too much. So you're not just like, you're not just giving it away because you're realizing the value of it. <laughs> which is hilarious right it's so funny to be like yeah this this is worth i know exactly how much this is worth to me <laughs> this is expensive <laughs> like, not I even just financially it's energetically <laughs> yeah um i i uh i the way that it looks to me based on clients who have taken sort of mainstream porn to the extreme hmm. um is that it's um it's again it's a it's a quality of attention thing with scratches on the window when you're numb because you're you've got so you've got a head full of shit 
you just, mm-hmm. you just got a head full of shit that stops you from having this direct experience. Then like big poundy porn makes sense because it's, it actually gets through it. Right. But in order for you to feel like a slower, more sensual um, experience, you have to slow down to the pace of that experience. And mentally you're running at, you know, 60 miles an hour and that's five miles an hour. You just, you're not going to notice it. Right. Like, uh, I've had, well, yeah, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, and it's surprising too, for when you start to go in that direction, how much more intense it is to go two miles an hour than to go hundred miles an hour. It's way more intense. Totally. Right. It's like, it just like expands. Um, Yogi Bhajan called it developing your self sensory system. So like all that. these meditative practices, yogic practices, even the, the food that we choose to eat, it's all about cultivating our ability to, to have like a really developed, subtle self sensory system. And subtle. Uh, yeah, going from like the cocaine, it's like, oh gosh, that just really th- blew out my my subtle my ability to feel subtle things. Like, <laughs> coming back to the subtlety is like, oh, like I don't have to be on Tinder all the time. I can actually, you know, do meditation and even certain foods. Like half of the half the yoga pradipika, which is like the ancient teachings of yoga, seem to be about detoxification and nutrition. You know, less less about like asanas. And more about meditation and nutrition and detoxification. So if they were detoxifying themselves five thousand years ago, then we, <laughs> we probably need to be as well. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe just all that. <laughs> but hashtag glyphosate. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's been really great having you on on the show, and and uh, I really appreciate your light, and I feel like you're bringing light to the industry of camming. And that's, that's really what I sense and what I feel in you. And thank you for doing that because people, you know, there's so many like souls who are just like, I don't, I don't know if the word lost soul encapsulates what I'm trying to say, but there's just like a lot of like dark energy around sexuality in our culture. And I feel like you're bringing some light to it. So thank you for doing that. And I know your clients are grateful too. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, it's nice. I mean, there's, there are humans everywhere and even the, in camming like the the darkest people like i have people who come online and they're like hey i want you to watch me smoke math and i'm right "Um, okay i mean let's have a chat first right and there's like you know a human in there obviously doing their thing um yeah and so there's definitely uh or your client who wanted yes i was gonna say your client who wanted you to be um like a slave master i was listening to to one of your shows oh and then you just spoke, yeah. And you you just spoke with them, and you said, you know, I'm that's I'm not comfortable with that, but I'd love to, you know, let's talk, you know. And that's I think that's so needed. In a way, you're like a, a sex therapist. Yeah, that was, man, that one still is like, oh, so for the for those listening, that was like a racially inspired uh, sex slave. That wasn't just a sex sex. That wasn't just a master. It was right. Um, a, uh, black client from Southern States who wanted to be a slave and used, um, by a white master. Um, and that was like, Oh boy. 
um, let me process this. Okay, now let's talk about it for the next 10 hours. And <laughs> I'm so grateful that he was down to do that. Nice. I learned so much about that um, hmm. from that conversation. And um, it really gave me a sense of like, wow, we don't choose our fetishes. Like you, nobody chooses that fetish. Did he explain sort of how he felt it came to be? That he he really liked that one. Um, I mean, I always ask that, and like very rarely do people have answers to that. Right. Uh, he didn't. I don't recall him really having a clear answer to that. But I think a big part of the conversation was just, "What's it been like living with that? Like, how right. much of the time do you get when literally your ancestors were slaves? Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I mean, like, I, I've gotten." a lot of shit from a lot of people over the years and some mm -hmm. people who are willing to do it with me and I love it. Um, yeah. Like, what do you do with that? I think that there, there has to be a space where people can, can look at that side of themselves, even if it's something that shouldn't be acted out. And there are definitely a lot of things that should never be acted out. Um, but how do you how do you not call somebody a bad person because of the hand they got dealt mm. right and that's separate from the behavior that you act out right and i mean this mm. is this kind of comes into the realm of pedophilia i think of like mm. where you're really like okay i mean if that's that's not an easy hand to be dealt mm. holy smokes boy am i ever glad that kids do nothing for me holy mm. shit um and then how do you live your life with that self-loathing, which seems very likely that that's going to mm -hmm. be layered in there with all with, you know, like you, I don't know, man, that's, I don't, I, I am curious to see the ways in which we look back on these years and go, man, were we ever barbaric? Uh, mm -hmm. I think that the way we judge, um, people and people's psychology will be one of them. I think that the prison system will be another one of them. Um, but I, yeah, it would be, it would be cool to see some, some dialogue in that, but it's just like, there's so much nuance in it, right? Like you have to, you need a long form conversation to be very clear about like behavior is not the same thing as saying it's okay to have a certain internal experience. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and that internal resistance, it's like anybody who's ever tried to diet through self-management knows that when you resist something that doesn't make that urge go away, <laughs> right? You need a higher order understanding of what's going on to actually be free from it without acting it out. Yeah. I think a lot of pinched off fetishes or fetishes that don't support life are, fueled by things like meth or um, having an unbalanced system in some way. Um, I used to, when I was doing cocaine, I used to have, you know, desires to, you know, sort of be violently uh, like in, in a sexual experience or have some sort of like hitting and um, those desires have gone away. So I, I can't help. I don't really <laughs> want to be hit. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't really want to be hat. 
<laughs> so like, I don't know, like correlation doesn't imply causation, but. Well, and there's, there's also the separation, right? The person who's in the mindset, who's doing the cocaine can't be separated from the cocaine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't want to judge anybody for where they are, or what they're feeling, but I just know I have noticed within myself, those sort of darker, um, fetishes have, have left me. I don't know. Do you believe in like things like succubuses and like spirits, <laughs> like taking over your body? Like sometimes I feel like, um, demons got into my electrum, like my aura was had holes in it from the drugs I was doing. And then like demons got in and started like, it, it wasn't even like my psyche. It was like, they overtook my psyche, but now that I'm like strengthening it and purifying myself, like me, I don't know. Like, do you believe in like succubuses? <laughs> I like the metaphor. Um, I think that every description of personal experience is a metaphor. Hmm. So I, I think that if it's meaningful to somebody and it helps lead them in a positive direction, then I wouldn't stress too much about whether it's objectively true or not. Um, right. And I think that when dealing with subjective experience, I mean, that's very real, right? If it feels like that's what's happening to you, then that's your experience. It doesn't mean that it's objectively true, but like, at what point does it matter? Right. Uh, and, and it's fun. That framing allows me to go and try on these different experiences and like, oh yeah, being possessed, like that, I, that feels like that sometimes, right? I can be open to that description and how my experience, I do have an experience of something taking me over and running me without just mentally blocking it and being like, that doesn't make sense. There's no science to that. It's like, well, okay, who cares if that's can be measured? Do you have anything that feels like that? Does that shine a light on part of your experience that is helpful or enlightening in some way? Um, I, I, I actually had a conversation with um, one of my clients about he had had a dinner party and one of his friends came over and had just come back from Peru and was talking about ayahuasca and talking about how he had been possessed, but the demon was now out and... Mm. And he's like, kind of like having a chuckle about it. He's being a little bit snarky about it. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, let's just like look at the state of the world right now. The, the, the global narrative is that there's an invisible beastie that can get into you, right? And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is the difference? Like, you, totally. we're, we're sure we have a microscope. You can you can look at it under a microscope. But for those of us who aren't looking at it under But it's never even been isolated. Experientially. Yeah. But what? I mean, that example actually really does it because it, it's also very objective. Like I follow the work of Dr. Andrew Kaufman and Kelly Brogan and a lot of medical doctors who don't tow the party line of the medical industrial complex. Mm -hmm. And they say it's never even been isolated, this this so-called Rona. Um, Rona. And, and I've, I've been studying something called Germanic New Medicine for about seven years. And in that system, the understanding is that microbes were 10 to one microbe. So for every one human cell, we've got 10 microbial cells and they say that um, microbes are actually there to help assist in the healing of a, they call it not a disease, but a significant biological special program of nature that's designed to assist an organism in a time of unexpected shock, like a conflict shock. So the idea is you go into shock, something happens, you're in a stress mode. And then when your body feels safe enough to start healing, that's when the microbes come in and start to rebuild tissue or break down tissue that was used. So, 
anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent, but the idea is like viruses, if they exist, are actually designed to assist us, to help us heal. They're not there. They're not these invisible demons um, that the medical industrial complex and the, the world, the world hoax organization wants us to believe. Would you be open to, and this isn't, I'm not passionate about this, but I, would you be open to that? A lot of them are helpful and some of them aren't. Yeah. I mean like dengue fever, for example, that, that is a microbe, which, so say you you grew up in Canada and then you're on a different continent and your body's not used to this new microbial milieu. If you're healing something, those microbes will be used in the healing phase and they might be very spicy on your system because your not, system's not, not used to spicy. Yeah, spicy. Those will be some, that'll be a fucking spicy healing and you may or may not, you know, survive it. So for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very spicy healing, which I did not survive. <laughs> Two thumbs down on that. <laughs> it was way too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Yeah, man. Should we wrap it? How are you feeling? That was good. That was like almost two hours. That went really quickly. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? You seem yeah. pretty elusive. I couldn't find you on like, tw I, I Googled your name and the thing that popped up was on Twitter. Some company was like, um, congratulations to Tyler Harris. He got top 10 male model or something. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh keep a relatively low profile for somebody who makes a living online um mm. yeah i have a psa um getting <laughs> this is hilarious <laughs> um for guys who are for for guys who are straight and i i, I it looks to me like um I think people kind of know what they're attracted to. I, I don't know that, that there's like a big secret. I don't know if anybody's like ever surprised that like, oh, I'm gay. I think as people get older and get more comfortable, they might be more open to things where it's like, that would be fun, but I'm not like totally drawn to it. Um, um, if you're of any orientation, but... Um, Getting pegged is great for those who don't know who are. Yeah, for those of you who pegging don't. Pegging PSA. So, so this is this is my. I'm going to give you my little spiel on this, and then we yeah. can finish it up. That's good. Um, it should be a rule of the universe that you can't put your junk in someone's ass until something's been in your ass. Mm. I think that that is fair. Is fair. You know, I'm oh, not yeah. real hung up on fairness, but like. It is a very unique experience and it's the kind of experience where like, you're probably going to hurt someone if you don't know what you're doing to them. Right. Mm. Like it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's tight and it takes time and patience and it takes the person actually wanting it mm -hmm. in order for it to be enjoyable. You have to want to get fucked in the ass in order to like getting fucked in the ass. I don't think totally. that you, yeah, I think that's like a prerequisite. Um, and if you're used to being like the the masculine topping energy, um, you don't know what you're doing to the person, basically. So you you see one side of the coin and you're like, okay, 
I can get, I can refine the side of my experience, but I I'll never know the other side unless I'm willing to step into that role. And you can do I it. Mean, that's, so, that's such a good rule. Yes. Yeah. So you're like half of your masculine energy is being received as ma masculine energy. And that's part of your picture. That's part of you in the scene that you, you need, you don't need to know, but like you're leaving a lot of juiciness on the table if you don't get to know that. Oh yeah. And the prostate, the prostate gland, it's, you know, five, yes. <laughs> five centimeters in, and it feels so good to have it yeah. stimulated. And like, there's the, the sphincter where the poop comes out, like there's that tube. But then like in and up, like say the guy's lying on his back, in and forward. It's kind of like I'm giving you instructions to a gas station. <laughs> in and forward. And it's it's this walnut-sized gland that can only be stimulated with somebody else's fingers or another sort of phallic-like thing. So that shows me that men have been fucking each other in the ass since time immemorial because it's this like little enclave that's the perfect uh it's right in the perfect spot for the head of a dick to stimulate it and in many traditions it's the south pole and the pineal gland is the north pole and it's connected through thousands of nadis or energy channels the the prostate to the pineal and when the prostate stimulated in a pleasurable way it causes the pineal gland to secrete dmt dimethyltryptamine which is also known as the spirit molecule what we're saying is anal for enlightenment yes how's that for a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> totally totally i mean of course well i mean you start looking at like some people who are just putting lots of things up their asses and just don't seem to have gotten anything of that from it but um <laughs> Um, but I, I do, to just wrap this one up, I, I do think that it will make, um, especially, you know, if you're doing this with a partner, I think it's very eye-opening for both partners to get mm. what the other person's experiencing. And I think it can be amazingly cock-like on a woman who's paying attention. Uh, mm -hmm. As far as like for them, they're like, they're fucking you. They're like feeling that motion. They're experiencing it. They're like, they're, they're doing that to you. Um, and to allow yourself to take that and get over all your hangups, the chances are that if you have a hang up to that, then you have some sexism in you because you think I'm better than getting fucked. And maybe look at that. Like if you have a little bit of homophobia in you, I don't know that you could be homophobic without being sexist. Mm -hmm. right? Like you have a problem with sucking dick and getting fucked. Okay. So who are you planning on having sex with and how if you're a straight guy? Mm -hmm. and, and, and do you really want to be bringing that judgment? That's going to be another scratch on the fucking window that's going to get in the way of a direct, beautiful experience. Totally. Um, and I don't think that you actually have to get fucked in the ass in order to get over these things. But there are certain things like the stuff you do where you could sit on a cushion for a long ass time and not necessarily come up against like, oh, I'm very insecure about the size of my penis. Mm -hmm. you might never face that directly yeah. and, and so the idea just, of yeah. the idea of just sitting on a cushion like that's a very buddhist lineage where they were basically never having sex there was a high rates of diabetes you know if you're thinking of like the tibetan buddhist monks the chinese were raping and pillaging their villages and they were taught from a very young age don't get angry don't fight back just go right to loving kindness meta loving kindness right just sit meditate don't eat very much and a lot of them get diabetes because 
they found there was a study done uh, by uh, somebody who I follow a doctor named Dr. Christiane Northrup, and she was quoting some scientists who figured out that it was because when you always are going to loving kindness all the time and not really feeling your anger and your rage, it affects the reuptake. It releases a lot of um, endorphins into the system, which affect the reuptake of glucose back into the system. So they're literally these these monks are literally sugarcoating their anger and their rage, just sitting, you know. So it just doesn't seem very balanced. Whereas, so you know, you, you see all these people going on silent meditation retreats and just sit there. But we're householders, like our path, most people listening to this, your path probably isn't to just like meditate the rest of your life in a cave and just be in like la la land, probably to like, you know, have a business or raise kids or this or that. Like we're householders. We're here to, to be erotic, uh, functional beings in this world. And so I think my point is just like, get fucked in the ass. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Allow yourself to get, allow yourself to explore your body. Because the Buddhists in many lineages, they just stay, they don't go anywhere below the belly button. Like when they're meditating, they can focus at the belly button, but they never address their sexual energy. And many, even when I was in the Kundalini yoga community, never addressed their sexual energy. They weren't even allowed to have sex. And then the the Yogi Bhajan guy, uh, finally, he's like, okay, you can have sex once a month with your partner. Yet he was, it came out this year that he's he was fucking all of his female secretaries. Oh, surprise, surprise. Somebody right? who doesn't address and look at what's going on down there has it running amok. Exactly. Oh, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I, 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 I say here, here to the idea of exploring your anus, like either through being pegged or even just like sticking your finger in there with some castor oil and, you know, massaging your prostate. It's good for your prostate gland to, to massage it. Even Western doctors are now starting to recommend prostate massage. More lube. Yeah, use a lot of lube. Coconut oil is good. Castor oil. Yeah, these these are good things, but more lube and slow. Slow. (laughs) Slow. And it it can be a meditation. It can be a solo meditation. It could be a partner meditation. But I like the idea of fusing spirituality with sexuality. Yeah. They don't have to be different. Like they are, in my opinion, they are the same thing. I mean, spirituality that ultimately i think that the it's it's to see that in everything in your life Mm. and that you know that includes making a coffee in the morning and that includes fighting with your boss and that includes Mm -hmm. sex Mm -hmm. um and the idea of leaving any of and that includes drugs it includes everything Mm -hmm. all of it and the idea of being like well except for that yeah (laughs) ew that's gross it's all part of the total (laughs) except for that i was like okay what's 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 going going on on here here? (laughs) yeah Yeah. i feel like when we can we can really love our sexual energy and and really accept ourselves as sexual beings then we don't have to go to a middleman to reach god we can just reach god like jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within but if we don't have that juiciness, it's hard to feel that. But when you when you fall in love with your sexual energy, then that is God, in my experience. Like, we don't need you don't need to go to church to find God. You can just go to your body. Just stick just, a finger up your butt. Just stick. <laughs> just <laughs> massage your prostate, your sacred spot. Amazing. Okay, okay. I, think that, I think that was the last that was thing. Good. Oh, and, and the very last thing is anybody who wants to reach out, uh, just shoot me an email at uh, sexpirateradio at gmail.com. As Will mentioned, I'm not 
really on the internet otherwise. Um, but I like people. Nice. Yeah. Sexpirateradio at gmail.com. People can reach you there. Old school. And then Tyler. Yeah. And Tyler has a great podcast. I love your voice. Your, your voice reminds me of uh, Dr. Zach Bush. Have you heard of him? No, but I'm going to look him up after this. Yeah. Your, your voices are, you've got the exact same sort of uh, kind of thing that he does <laughs> on the podcast. It's very, what's it called? A glot, it's a glottal attack. I think it was called in, in acting school, but it's like, um, it's a vocal fry. You guys both have like the perfect podcast vocal fry. Thank you. Yeah. So I, that would be awesome if you and Dr. Zach Bush were on a podcast. It would be like the best. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Tyler has an amazing podcast as well, Sex Pirate Radio, and you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. I think I was listening to it on. And where else can people find it? Uh, Spotify. Those two places. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Tyler Harris, for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about Tyler, feel free to send him an email. You can book a one-on-one -on -one with him for sure. And I will leave his email in the show notes. Other than that, head over to willblunderfield.ca if you're interested in learning about my sexual kung fu classes and my music. Uh, it's always great to meet other like-minded individuals and riff, reality riff, as I like to call it. And so again, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Tyler. And have a beautiful week, everybody. Satnam. Guru Ramdas Guru 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 Wahe Guru Guru Ramdas Guru
school.